bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! 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 It's a football Friday get-together here on Birds 365, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mac and Mac, a.k.a. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, hanging for the next two. Uh, J-Mac, where do you want to start with today's show? We can either talk about a guy who zoomed in for the mm-hmm. Eagles or a guy who zoomed out for the Eagles. In would be the Honey Badger, out would be Brandon Cooks of the uh, Texans. Which one do you want to start with? It's up to you, Jody. It's uh, I don't know if Brandon Cooks was ever in at any point. Uh, I thought that was unrealistic. He was, but he was in conversation. Yeah, he, he was, was in. in he was in one conversation. Yeah, I get. I mean, uh, he was so pricey, and he ended up getting an extension with Houston, which was I. I was a little surprised. So I never thought he was realistic. But uh, you know, the Honey Badger. Uh, that's somewhat more realistic. I, I wouldn't put it odds on favor, especially now there's a report the Rams might be interested. So if the Rams are going to carve out some space for a one-year deal, you're in trouble. He certainly wants, seems to want to play back in New Orleans, but it doesn't seem like New Orleans wants him. So, you know, that's one that if the market isn't there, sort of like Steve Nelson last year, the Eagles can offer, hey, come in here, you'll start. You're right back on the free agent market. Maybe, you know, at his age, it's probably not going to happen. But that's how you kind of spell it for the player. And that that one's a little bit more realistic. Uh, just And I know you know this, but just to officially note it, if Brandon Cooks is a little pricey, guess what? So are other wide receivers who have established themselves in the National Football League, whether the Eagles want to acknowledge it or not, whether they want to get involved in that pool and jump in, that's up to them, or we can just see a whole mess of Zach Pascal this upcoming year. Yeah, that's well, fine. that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a rookie, I think, and I don't agree with that philosophy. And they, you know, they tried to get a receiver, and we've talked about it a lot, and they went a different route, either via trade, um, or, or trying to go after guys like Allen Robinson and, and, you know, Christian Kirk just got crazy. But Allen Robinson it would, would have been, you know, a place they would have gone. Um, and certainly they would have gone with Calvin Ridley or Robert Wood. So it's, you know, that's pretty significant. I'm, I'm surprised. You know, but then, you know, Cooks is such an interesting player because he's so productive and he's always getting traded. It's the weirdest thing 
because it never happens in the end. Even more so when he started in the league, it's become more prevalent over the past few years as you get new general managers who think a little bit differently and they're willing to trade more. You know, if you think about he came in the league in 2014. That doesn't seem like a long time ago, but it was from a, a GM. It was from a trade standpoint in the NFL. And this is guy who always produces. Like we've been talking about Devontae Parker a lot, you know, one 1,000 yard season. This guy's got six, six. Mm-hmm. I, I And he keeps going from team to team to team, the Saints, the Patriots. Remember the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the big Malcolm Jenkins hit. He had 1,000 yards that season. You know, basically the Patriots, they've had two receivers, Randy Moss and Brandon Cooks for one year, who who was really productive. And I'm exaggerating a little bit for effect, but they're not typically a great wide receiver team. Then he goes to the Rams. He gets a thousand yards there. Then he goes to the Texans and he gets a thousand thousand. You know, I mean, the guy just produces uh, and for whatever reason, he's always getting shipped off. He's always getting traded. I can't understand it. Um, but I, I never heard serious interest with the Eagles and uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. And look, I think they'd be willing to go after certain players. And we, we know the certain players. I mean, Calvin Ridley's pretty high on a fifth year option. Robinson got a nice little deal, but not crazy um and that that's more in the realm of where they wanted to be but that brandon hook cooks falls into that range Why well not money wise <laughs> he's more expensive um no i production more expensive wise, than alan robinson well he got you know average annual now all these hokey numbers and we'll see when the spot he was scheduled to make 12 and a half million dollars a year on his original contract and he just signed an extension that can make him up to twenty million a year. So he's more expensive, yeah. Um, now we'll see. Again, you know, all these things are framed. We talk about all the time, framed yeah. you know, in, in a player perspective. But even if we forget the extension, and the Eagles would have had to work out extension. And even I wrote about it or talked about it a little bit somewhere, and I I said, well, they have to, you know, they have to bring that cap number down if they're going to bring Brandon Cooks in, sure. and that was on the original twelve and a half million. Now somehow you can, you know, how he does it all the time with avoidable years, and you can push things off to the back end, but I don't think they want to be up in that average annual value range for for Brandon Cooks. Um, Maybe they would change for uh, 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 an A.J. Brown or somebody like that. Um, I just never got the feeling they wanted to be in that range. At least they we know that they inquired uh, before the new deal was done with the Texans. They got the new deal done, which most people assume means he's staying for it. But that's not even could, a given. Yeah, they, that's not they, even a they given. They could do an about-face pretty damn quickly if they wanted to, but they've redone his contract, and, uh, yeah, he can always uh, redo it again. So we need to wait for the details on it, but that's just another proven veteran wide receiver that the Eagles may have inquired on, may have had interest on, with, 
but didn't get done. And that's the only thing that matters is eventually got to get it done. You can ask on everybody. You can talk on everybody. You can even make offers on everybody. The only thing that really matters at the end of the day is, did you add him to your roster? And as of right now, that's not the case with uh, Brandon Cooks, who looks to be, not definitively, but looks to be staying in Houston this upcoming year as productive wide receiver you're going to find, as John just noted, throwing all those stats at you that he's accomplished and put up over the last couple of years. The other guy they did actually have a conversation with, not on or about, with was the Honey Badger yesterday. It's one of those good news, bad news situations. Good news is, wow, they talked to him. They, they had a sit down with him. Well, not a sit down, uh, but they had a conversation with him and uh, told him what he could do in this upcoming Eagles defense and how he would be a fit. I'm sure numbers would discuss with the agent. I don't know if they would discuss with the player or not. I would guess not. Uh, but the fact that they had the conversation with him is a good thing. The fact that it was virtual is not really a good thing. If he was really motivated to become a Philadelphia Eagle and believe this was a possibility, it's not that hard. COVID is somewhat in our rearview mirror. You can get on a plane these days and you uh, can get to Philadelphia. We're not asking you to fly halfway around the world. Uh, get up from uh, Louisiana to Philadelphia could have been a doable thing. They He chose not to. Um, I, I'm not putting a lot of stock in the possibility of the honey badger uh, landing here. And oh, by the way, I did see, uh, I think it was Rappaport had uh, the report on him that uh, he's in no rush to sign. Right now, he's more worried about family and getting into the best shape possible. Can I throw the BS flag on that one, Johnny Mac? Sure, and tell throw you, it. Throw I it don't out there. believe that for a millisecond, Rappaport. No. Throw, what, throw it out there. Why the hell would you even put that out there? Other than it was spoon well, fed you know, to you. You know why, Jody. You know why. But money there isn't is a, what he wants it to be yet. It, 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 it is the the game of the information broker. Trademark Mike Sealski. I always give him credit for that. So uh, that is, you know, that's what you do. To get the information, you got to spin things in a, a way that the player and the agent want it spun. Flag on the um, play. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, and and by the way, when you say there's little, I think you're right. I think the Eagles are the safety net uh, for that particular player. And but guess what, Jody? What's today's date? April eighth. Today would be the eighth, big guy. April eighth. Joe Banner was out there calling uh, Tyron the big name trap. Uh, people around this neat league, uh, all you got to all you got to say, he's out there on April 8th. That tells you a lot. That tells you a lot. And people aren't banging down his door. Um, and the longer it goes on, uh, the more chance it is that he's going to have to accept to 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 play on a one year deal. And, and, and go back on the market hopefully next year. Um, and if the Rams aren't interested and the Saints aren't interested, well, guess what? Here comes the Philadelphia Eagles around the corner. And this might be a situation where they just luck out. And sometimes we talk about it all the time. Sometimes it's better to be lucky uh, than good. And, and when I say – Big name trap, which I kind of agree with because this is clearly a descending player. 
while he's clearly a descending player, he is much, much better still than anything the Eagles have at safety. And he's also the kind of versatile safety that Jonathan Gannon has always talked about and always talks about Harrison Smith. So he's that movable piece would be the most versatile player in the Eagles back seven since Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, he can play all over the place. Um, so he's a fit from that standpoint. And I think it's, I think it's realistic because I don't think the saints want him. Uh, they had him in the building and that's how this league works. If you want a player and you get him in your building, he's not leaving your building. Um, the Rams, now that concerns me because if the Rams can carve out some spot, you can see him joining Bobby Wagner and going that route and trying to win the Super Bowl. Um, and, and, and that one concerns me a little bit more. Um, but if those te- two teams bow out and nobody else, you know, sort of comes up out of nowhere, yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles might have a realistic chance. And here's one of the things that concerns me about the Honey Badger. If the Eagles sign him tomorrow, uh, I'm going to tell you the Eagles upgraded their talent on their team, and I'm going to be happy for it. Um, I've liked the kid since he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, as a matter of fact, and uh, I thought fell unwarrantedly down to the third round. Yeah, I know he had some marijuana issues back then. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. It mattered back then. It doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. Um Here's my only 2022 issue with the Honey Badger above and beyond uh, how much he's going to cost. And you said it's a one-year deal. Oh, no, it'll be a multi-year deal. Well, yeah. It'll be a multi-year deal with disappearing years, which Howie Roseman is very good at. They're not going to – he's not going to come in and and cost the team 10 million bucks this year, one year, and then the deal's over and done with. No, no, no. It'll be spread out over a period of time. Guarantee that. But here's my uh, on-the-field concern with Donnie Badger. I still like Andy Reid. He's a pretty good coach. He's a pretty good evaluator, and they've been a damn good team. Yeah, I know they got picked off earlier than we thought last year. I thought they were going back to the Super Bowl again, and they lost that game to the Bengals. And, yes, I get it. Went to overtime. We don't need to relitigate the whole overtime thing. But uh, Patrick Mahomes got his hands on the ball first. And unlike the week before against the Bills, he couldn't do anything with it. And then, yes, the Bengals did allow uh, the Chief did allow the Bengals to get into an area where they could kick a game winning and advance to the Super Bowl field goal. The Honey Badger is still a great fit for the Kansas City defense. And from what I can judge from afar, they basically washed their hands of him and moved on. Not because I think they think, oh, he's done. But they knew what the cost was going to be, and they wanted to allocate their resources elsewhere. They did not put enough of an emphasis on them to say, oh, yeah, we got to have the honey badger back. There's been no reports or rumors about him potentially going back to Kansas City. Why is that? If Um, if you appreciate Andy Reid and the Chiefs' ability to uh, judge players, they got a a closer up, close and personal look at them than anything else. Does that put any fear into you, John? Well, I, I, Andy has a history of that. And, and, you know, the best example would be trading Donovan McNabb in the division. Everybody was, how could you trade Donovan McNabb in the division? Because he knew he was done. <laughs> and he didn't care. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
Andy has a history of making good decisions when it comes to personnel. Um, and you used Andy, and that's a good uh, measuring stick. I used the calendar. All I need is a calendar. You know, good player with that reputation, four-time All-Pro, out there on April 8th, that tells you all you need to know about what the league thinks of this particular player as a whole. And that's exactly what you – not that he's not necessarily done – but that he's clearly a descending player. And remember, he's got a big name, and he does have a reputation, and he does have a resume. So it's very difficult for players like that to say, oh, uh, I'm not, my days of being you know, regarded as one of the top safeties in this league from a financial standpoint, it's very hard for players to give that up and to give that thought process up. He's not even turning 30. This is kind of amazing. He's not even turning 30 till next month, which is, you know, a bad word in the NFL. But this will be his 10th season. He's been playing a long time, and he's been playing a lot of football. And, you know, that there's wear and tear in this league that is real. Um, so, look, one-year deal, I'm, I'm all on board. And I hope people realize that when I say that, as you mentioned, there's going to be voidable years. There's going, that's baked into it. That's how the Eagles do business. Uh, but effective, you know, real world, you know, he's going to get one year, 10 million, let's say, for sake of argument. I'd be okay with that. I, no problem whatsoever. Here's the one balancing act you have to do with the calendar. You're right. The, the calendar is facts and facts. And Huddy Badger can have these delusions of grandeur as to what type of deal he thought he was going to get. He should have gotten in his estimation. When the calendar gets to a point, those numbers are decreasing. Sorry. Teams have just spent cap money, and some will be willing to go mortgaging well into the future with those voidable years and uh, get him close to what he wants. But uh, some one of the reasons why I'll cut a guy a little slack when it comes to uh, the calendar and judging what the league thinks about him well, what the league thinks about him may not match up to what the player thinks about himself and his agents thinks about him. And they may just have an unrealistic expectation. Uh, sometimes these numbers sneak out. Sometimes they don't. Uh, in the case of Jarvis Landry, the wide receiver got released by the Browns. I know that I read he's looking to become a $20 million <laughs> wide receiver. Well, everybody is now. Maybe he's not as crazy as we thought. He's still crazy, yeah. even with the explosion of the wide yeah. receiver money. Jarvis, you're not a $20 million guy. He's so that's less the reason crazy. why he hasn't signed quickly. Uh -huh. Sometimes the players' expectations are literally outrageous. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. And that's why I said, at somebody with his resume, it's very difficult to not consider yourself one of the best safeties in the league. And He's in a different phase of his career. And at some point, he's going to have to accept it if he wants to continue to play. And there's no evidence that to point that he wants to walk away. So it's just a natural sort of path players take in this league. And it's always difficult. It's always difficult. You know, Pletcher Cox probably had to go through a little bit of that. And you've still got probably too much money. But, um, had to go through a little bit of it. And uh, Tyran is going to have to go through that. Uh, and that helps the Eagles in a, in a certain way, because it's pretty evident that nobody is going to, to sign him to a contract 
that you would think of. Oh, four-time all-pro safety at the height of his career contract, which is what he probably thinks he is. It's pretty evident that he's not getting that deal from anybody. And the market is what the market is. And uh, at some point, he's going to come to the realization that he's got to play somewhere. And if uh, the Rams aren't interested, I could see the Eagles popping up and stealing one. They at least got uh, some time, virtual as it was, spent with them yesterday, which at least keeps them in the conversation. Not sure how close it is to getting done. And if it moved the goal post moved a little bit, it's better than not moving at all. But I would not say that it was close. And if, if Fletcher Cox had to go through, how long was Fletcher Cox on the open market? John, less than 24 hours. Well, I just meant it essentially had to take a pay cut, uh, which isn't easy for a player of that uh, stature. Can I take um, a pay cut to $14 million uh, per year? I'd, I get it. I'd, I'd volunteer for that right about but now. It, but, Jody, if you're making, for sake of argument, you know, $20 million for years and years and years, and all of a sudden they say, hey, we're going to cut you down to fourteen, you might have a different – you might have a different sense. Now, people like you and I find that hard to, you know, wrangle with because we're like, all right, it's fine. You but lie that, in about 98% of yeah. the population. Well, we're not, but that's the reason we're 98% and they're really, it's 99.9%. And they're at the top of their their game and they're at the top of their game for a reason because they think they're at the top. Incompetence is part of it. And it's a big part of it. I'm not begrudging him one penny of anything he's made previously or is going to make this year. The only thing I will begrudge him is, oh, it's difficult to have to go through that and realize that you're not what you used to be. Well, and, it's all and relative. Coming all the way down to 14 million per. Well, man, it's all. It's, that, it's all. Get, get it's that all, man some Valium or something. It's all relative. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I, I, I went through this with the, Adrian Peterson. Now, that's one of the greatest running backs of all time, one of the greatest pure runners of all time. It was paid like it for years and years and years and years and years and years. And, you know, he kept thinking he was. He still thinks he is. But, you know, you're not going to get the money you once did. And it's difficult for those small percentage of people. That's one of the things that athletes in all sports, certainly in the National Football League, because the game is as physical as it is, there's a shelf life involved and you've got to be able to comprehend the fact that yes, at some point you're going to be at your Zenith. You're going to be at your highest on the accomplishment level, on your production level, on your earning level. And then it's going to come down. That's just a natural fact. Unless your name is Tom Brady, your earning power is going to come down and you got to be able to comprehend it and deal with it. All right. uh, Earning power is key to today's show because We've got one of the biggest earners on the planet coming up next, and for good reason. He's one of the best NFL writers that there is. From Sports Illustrated, our buddy Game Day Ed Kratz joins us here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. special ed i gotta tell you that he is our uh, game day guy football friday ed kratz joins us here on birds 365 hello mr kratz how are you how's your weekend uh, shaping up well i hope the rain goes away that's for sure yeah, uh, yeah. Well, i don't know what's in the sky right now i'm not used to it um, yeah, well it's sunny right now let's hope it stays that way for a few days uh, but i'm doing great guys good to be with you Hope you're all doing well and have some big plans this weekend as well. Masters, the Masters is coming on, and yeah, uh, a big uh, little weekend plan. Maybe some uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh, maybe some. That's a that's an old school Will Ferrell joke. I don't know. I got some time. <laughs> you can uh, relate to that though, huh, John? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's quite telling. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, uh, that's sad. True. Is what it is. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> And Kratz, last time we had you on, you were going down a, a, a beaten path. I just couldn't believe it. You were still clinging to the possibility of the Eagles getting involved with a quarterback in the first round. Uh, are you pulling a Jimmy Kemsky on us? You just have to touch all the bases and th continue to throw out names so that you get a chance to inform people on every single player. Or are you still clinging to that lost belief that the Eagles are in the quarterback market? <laughs> Well, since you put it that way, Jody, I, I guess I know where your uh, feelings are on that. Yes, you do. That, oh, it wasn't too difficult to read between the uh, lines, Ed. Thank you for picking up on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I listen, 
would it surprise me? No. I mean, this team hasn't been in on Jalen Hurts. No, no matter what not. they say, they, they yeah. just haven't actions. really gone. Actions. Are, it, you know, forget the words. Look at the actions. Yeah, exactly. So would it surprise me? No. I, I, am, I don't think it'll happen now because of the trade that they made for the future future draft capital with the saints but uh wouldn't surprise me though jody it really wouldn't if uh they're sitting there at 16 and kenny pickett is still on the board and or 15 i'm sorry they're 15 and and 18, uh, and 18. yeah and so 18. It, it wouldn't surprise me if kenny pickett's there they say you know what let's go take him and does that mean he's going to come in and supplant jalen hurts no it means that they're going to have a competition they're going to develop hurts right along with pickett uh and then you're not waiting to next year. That doesn't mean they wouldn't take one next year either. I mean, let's for, not forget this is the quarterback factory, right? They want to keep churning out quarterbacks. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think they'll do it now. I think they'll go elsewhere. Maybe they take one in the second round of, say, Sam Howe, your favorite quarterback in this draft, Jody, uh, <laughs> is sitting there. And <laughs> and uh, they, they might you know take him if he's sitting there at 51 or if he starts to slide into the 40s and they see an opportunity to move up to get him. Maybe well, the good news—the good news for Jody, uh, Ed, is Kenny Pickett's not going to be there at fifteen. The Probably Eagles not. aren't going to have to make that decision. Right. Um, Sam Howell's not going to be there at fifty-one, so the Eagles are not going to have to make that decision. Um, so they're not in a range to get a, a quarterback they might be interested in. So it sort of saves them from themselves, at least from that perspective. But if, if if Kenny does get pushed up the board a little bit, which I think is going to happen, and I think Malik Willis is going to get pushed up the board a little bit as well. So then you have two quarterbacks all, uh, all, you know, in those first 14 picks, which pushes position players down, and that will be helpful for the Eagles. So if they do stand pat, and there are two quarterbacks, and you kind of start doing the math, what position do you think is most likely now for the Eagles if they stand pat at 15? This draft has just been so, you know, nobody can agree on even the top 10 and where they're going to oh, go. Yeah. It's been it's so unpredictable, so unlike any other drafts where we've always known, well, I guess in the last four drafts, there's always been a quarterback taken first overall the last four years. That's not going to happen. But um, it's just been uh, so many – different configurations of mock drafts from various people that, that it's never the same guys in those 10 spots. Uh, not even close really. Um, but if you're the Eagles and there's a position that you're sitting at and wanting, I, I still think it's an, an edge rusher or a defensive tackle um, just based on the way they to you know, their philosophy on wanting to build in the trenches. Uh, this is a good draft for, edge rushers and a good draft for defensive tackles. And, you know, I think that's probably the way they would lean. I know Devontae Wyatt is certainly uh, a name that's been mentioned a lot with the Eagles at 15. And I certainly wouldn't disagree with that pick. Uh, you know, they uh, need a defensive tackle. They're a little thin at that spot, right? They have Cox, who's now a, you know, year to year player. And they have uh, Javon Hargrave on the final year of his deal. And, and then you have the uh, second, the, the rookie coming into his second year, Milton Williams, who had a pretty good rookie season. Um, but after that, it, you know, they have Marlon Tua of Tua Polu who didn't really play a whole lot last year. We don't know what he can do. 
He was a sixth round pick. I think um, we kind of do know Mar Marlon too, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you hope Stop he got joking. a little bit stronger. Stop, yeah. You hope he got a little bigger. You know, that's always the thing about rookies. They come in and that's yeah. what they all need to do. No matter what round you're picked in, they always seem to need to get bigger and stronger and work on their quickness and all the technique stuff. But you hope that, you know, he's learning his lessons and will come in and maybe play a little bit more uh, this year. But again, if he, even if he does, that's four guys. And, you know, you'd love to have, you know, a fifth one. So defensive tackle to me probably makes the most sense at 15. If there's an edge rusher there, uh, like a, a Jermaine Johnson, if he slips out of the top 14 and he's sitting there from Florida state, they probably take him. But I think defensive line would be the spot that they would go uh, and not Kenny Pickett if he's there, but you're right. I don't think Kenny Pickett will be yeah, there. I think I he's, yeah. You know, these quarterback stocks always go up as we get closer to the draft and, uh, you know, this year's group doesn't seem to be any different. Willis Pickett mentioned in the top 10. And even uh, Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati yeah. quarterback, is starting uh, to get some buzz as a possible. He's uh, he's my 32nd pick. He's not going yeah. past 32, uh, mm. Desmond Ritter. Okay. So there's going to be – I think there's going to be four quarterbacks going in the first round. And the only question is, is, Matt, is the third one going to be Matt Corral or Sam Howell? Yeah. And – uh, and then the fifth one is going off the board quick in the second round. So for all this talk of a bad quarterback class, they're going to be gone pretty quick, that top five. Well, uh, when It depends on how you say it when you say it is a bad quarterback class. Evaluating now and what it's going to look like five years from now is what most people are talking about. Not evaluating now and how quickly they're going to come off the board. Just because you're picked at a spot doesn't mean you're going to produce like you should be picked at that spot. And I feel so strongly that the Eagles are not taking quarterback at. Here's the bet I'll offer you. I'll put up a $50 gift card to Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> and all I'm asking you to do I'll is take put that. up one, one 12-ounce Diet Coke. And you don't even have to cool it. I'll take it warm. That's how strongly I feel that the Eagles will not be taking a quarterback in the first round. Not uh, I thought I was going to take advantage of Jody, but he said in the first round. I was going to yeah. yeah. And then pull the seventh yeah. round on Ma Mama Mac raised no fools. That's yeah. what we're talking about here. I was going to pull round. the seventh round. In the seventh round, the Eagles select. No, I'm not going to get taken uh, because of a stupid wager, I try not to make that, <laughs> as a matter of fact. All right, Eddie, you meant to talk about the defensive tackle. Here's what scares me about the upcoming draft now less than three weeks away. I don't know that the Eagles are going to come away with a defensive end either in the first round. And they're down to two picks from where they were at three. And at three, they had a lot of different options, depending on how they ranked the guys and who came off the board through the first 14 picks. Now it's down to two, which is better than a lot of teams. But not really. There's eight teams with two picks apiece in this draft. So there are a lot of teams that are going to have a lot to say about this draft. I don't know that they're going to have the right guy, the guy that they like, still be available. Uh, you talked about the defensive tackle, and you broke down the three. You got four guys, including Marlon, that are on the roster and their futures uh, with the Eagles. I'm more scared about the defensive end. Because Brandon Graham is, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Derek Barnett is, oh, I'm pretty damn sure. And it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Josh Sweat, I like the signing last year. He actually has to get somewhere near double-digit sacks to, to merit the kind of money that the Eagle gave him. 
what are they going to do with defensive end? Ed, if if one of the top five are there, and John and I have gone through this list enough times, know you understand who I'm talking about when I say the top five. Uh, three of the five are absolutely going to be gone. They're going in the top ten picks. The other two guys, chances are Johnson and Karloftis, may or may not be there. What are they going to do? If one of those are there, do they take them? Do they pass on them? Is this a, a position that they think there's draft deepness, that they can get a guy who's above average in the second, third, fourth round? How is the defensive end position going to play out in the draft for the Birds? Well, I think I think if Jermaine Johnson's there, they'll take him. I really do. Um, I think they like him. You know, they took Josh Sweat from Florida State. Here comes another Florida State kid with uh, upside. Um, Karloftis, I haven't heard a whole lot of buzz about. Yeah, that's um, the one that concerns me. I don't know if the Eagles have interest in Karloftis. Yeah, know, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, – I have mixed feelings about Karloftis too. I had a chance to talk to him uh, at the Combine in early March last month. And, uh, you know, very impressive uh, individual. No, no question about that. You know, he's a good character guy. Eagles love good character guys. Um, and he's certainly that, but I'm just not really sold on his skill set if it's going to lend himself to being a double digit sack, excuse me, double digit sack uh, player uh, in the NFL. I, I just have questions about that. Whereas I think Jermaine Johnson can come in and become a double digit sack player in the NFL. Uh, he's long, he's, he's, you know, he's got good quickness, good explosion. Karloftis to me is a little bit more stout, a little, you know, uh, squat, a little more squat compared to Jermaine Johnson. So I, I think if Johnson's there, Jody, uh, the Eagles will take him uh, at 15. The question is, is he going to be there? Um, and then you mentioned the second tier guys. I mean, there's still some pretty. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, we always talk about the top six and you throw a Jabo in there. It's but... a shame about a Jabo and that yeah. Achilles because he certainly, I think he would have been in play. Uh, I know the Eagles really liked him, and they may have even traded up a couple spots to get him if he were starting to slide. But, uh, you know, that Achilles, of course, is going to really push him down the board. You're not going to get anything out of him his first year. You know, you look at Sidney Jones when he tore his Achilles on Washington's Pro Day, which was mid-March. He came back for the final regular season game in 2017 that year. But it was a meaningless game. It was against the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles already had the number one seed in the playoffs locked down. Uh, but he played, and that was the only game he played. And then, yeah, you know, there would be a similar thing with the Jabu. He tore it in mid-March, like Jones did, and he didn't come back uh, until the final regular season game. So a Jabu, you can pretty much write off his rookie year, and then you go into the next year where he's still developing uh, into the player that everybody thinks he can be. He's got the high ceiling. He came to the game late, you know, when he was 17 years old was when he began playing it. So you know, you're looking at not just missing the rookie year but then his second year you start to develop him and then it might be the third year before he pays off so uh that's a shame that you know it happened the way it did but uh you know there are good guys there that the eagles could take with that 51st pick and maybe even the 83rd pick you know guys like nick bontito from oklahoma um you know sam williams from mississippi i mean these are good second tier edge rushers that the eagles could look to get in the second round if they don't get one in the first round. Yeah, there's a lot of edge rushers, and I'll, I'd be very comfortable that they could get one that could help them at 51. And even if Ojabo fell that far, I think they'd go down that route. I think you got to be careful comparing him to Sidney Jones. You, you and I saw Sidney a lot over the years. Just he's got Devontae Smith legs to be kind. I mean, they, they you know, it was 
different position uh, cornerback. I think it's more important um, to have that explosion. Not that it's not an edge rusher, but you got to be a freaky athlete to play cornerback in the NFL. And Sydney was, and that kind of took him down a notch. And I don't think, you know, we've seen Brandon Brooks come back from the same injury twice and, you know, play at a high level. So I think it's a little bit different for those bigger guys. They can come back from that injury uh, a little bit better. And I I would jump at taking David Ojabo at 51. I don't know if he'll be there. I don't think he will be there. I think somebody will take that risk uh, before the Eagles. But I do think there's a ton of edge rushers, and that's one of the deepest positions. Um. But I, I want to shift it to the, the offensive side of the ball. Are the Eagles kind of hamstrung, Ed, by the inability to get a veteran receiver? Uh, Brandon Cooks, the latest, a little bit. I, I don't think there was much to the Eagles' interest there, but there was a little bit of a late rumor that they checked in on his ability. He signs an extension with Houston. Um, and here we are. They don't have an upgrade unless you consider Zach Pascal an upgrade. Um, does that hamstring them by saying, okay, 15, 18, we got to take a receiver at one of those two spots? Well, I mean, as much as they would like to have a veteran receiver, there just doesn't seem to be, you know, they just don't seem to be thinking along the same lines everybody else is, really. I mean, you know, DK Metcalf's name's been thrown out there, certainly. You know, he would make a good option if they were to go that way. I don't know what he would cost. And then you're going to have to, you know, throw him a lot of money uh, to extend his contract. Uh, you know, I, I, LaVisca Chenault down in Jacksonville, I mean, he's not quite a veteran. He's only been around for two years, I believe. But, you know, he's a guy that could pop free as well. You know, the Jaguars loaded up at the receiver spot. So, you know, uh, maybe they're talking to Jacksonville about Chenault. But, uh I think it does put them in a little bit of a bind as far as getting a receiver. Nick Sirianni doesn't feel like Zach Pascal is a Band-Aid. I really think Sirianni believes that Pascal can come in and take advantage of his offense and kind of be the player he was when he had him in Indianapolis. And, you know, we'll see if that pans out. But, you know, you look at a receiver they could take in the first round. Everybody likes the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and uh, Drake London. Uh, but, you got to keep an eye, I think, on Jamison Williams from Alabama. You know, his, his potential is to be the best receiver in this class. And if you're the Eagles, and I know he's coming off the ACL, which he tore in the national championship game in mid-January, but it was only about a month after Landon Dickerson tore his ACL at Alabama and went into the draft. And the Eagles took him in the second round, and Dickerson played all year for the Eagles. So, you know, if you're the Eagles and you say, look, we still have Jalen Rager and Zach Paschal in our receiving room, you know, oh, that can get oh. us through the first month. <laughs> if we take Jamison Williams and, th and then he comes back in October and becomes the Jamison Williams, everybody thinks he can be, which to me, he's the best receiver or has the best upside of any receiver in this class. And, and other people feel the same way as I do. But if you're the Eagles, you think, okay, he's going to come back from an ACL. We saw Landon Dickerson do it, played the whole year for us. He's got the most upside. That's what this is about is, you know, building this roster for maybe a run in 2023. You know, yeah, okay, you take another step in 22, but maybe 23 is when you think, okay, this is when we can really make our Super Bowl push and be serious threats to do it. Uh, if that's what it's about, then Jamison Williams makes some sense for them. 
And it's only a month you get through with Rager, Pasco. I know that's not going to be popular with the fans, but then you introduce Jamison Williams to this lineup in October, and let's see where it goes from there. So I think he he is somebody that I've had in my first two mock drafts in the first round, and I haven't uh, come off of that since then. Um, even with the two picks now, instead of three picks in the first round, I still think Williams could be in play for the Eagles. All right, let me move off the draft for a second here, Ed, because uh, reported that the Eagles yesterday had a virtual meeting with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, uh, a Pro Bowl level safety, even though he is going into year 10 in the NFL. He's still on the right side of 30 years old and has the resume that he has in the National Football League. Uh, according to uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, he hasn't really worried much about his contract. He's been spending more time worrying about mm. family and getting in tip-top shape. Yeah, right. Um, so the market is not developed for the Honey Badger the way that he thought it would or he wants it to. Can the Eagles get lucky here? Are, are they a team that's in position to, while not paying him what he wants to get paid, maybe offer him more than other teams are willing to go for a guy with some of the tread come off the tires? Could they get real lucky and land a honey badger? It seems like the ball's in the Eagles' court. I think if they went two years with Tyram Nato, he would take it. Um, I think that's the issue is he wants more than one year, and I don't think there's a team out there that's willing to go to that point yet. But if the Eagles offered him two years, you know, uh, with a with a pretty good uh, dollar amount attached to it, and I think it would be at least $10 million a year, I really do. I mean, you look at what he's made the past couple of years, and – you know, he's been in, the, you know, I think it's been 11 million and 14 million in the last two years. Um, but yeah, I think the ball is in the Eagles court with the honey badger. If they go two years with a contract, I think they could get him. The question is, will they? It feels like honey badger is about 40 years old. Um, <laughs> no, he's been around for so long. It feels like he's been around forever, but you know, yeah. you're right. He's still on the, you know, he's not 30 yet. He will be soon. He turns 40. Or I'm sorry, 30, 30 next month. Yeah. Well, on my, on my wife's birthday, actually. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I like him already because of that, but uh, he, you know, he's going to be 30. Uh, people want to compare him to Malcolm Jenkins, that this could be like a Malcolm Jenkins type signing, but let's not forget Malcolm Jenkins was 27 years old uh, when the Eagles signed him and what a great signing that was. But um, honey badger is not Malcolm Jenkins, you know, just, based on age, based on skill set. Can he help the Eagles? Absolutely. And I think the Eagles should go two years with him and pay him, you know, what it's going to take to get him here because they do have a need at that position. You're saying, well, let's get one in the draft, but then you're, you know, you're running a rookie out there. You can still get one in the draft, but then you can kind of bring him along at your pace with the honey badger as his tutor. So I think that the Eagles should be in the mix if they're not. And I think they can get in the mix if they go two years with him. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Kyle Hamilton, but that's kind of pie in the sky uh, that he'll ball to 15. Uh, you know, with the Malcolm comparisons, yeah, they're two. Malcolm's this big, powerful safety, which is kind of amazing considering he started as a corner, but what he developed into. But where I think it's uh, a, a good comp is versatility. Um, uh, the Honey Badger plays all over the place. He plays in the slot. Uh, free safety, strong safety in the box. Um, and they haven't had a player like that since uh, Malcolm Jenkins. And you heard Gannon last year a number of times mention Harrison Smith. 
who he had in Minnesota is that type of safety. I think he wants that type of presence on his defense. Um, and I think he'd be a perfect fit on a one-year deal. But, boy, I think the Rams are sniffing around. And if the Rams are sniffing around and he gets to go play with uh, Bobby Wagner and Aaron Donald and the reigning Super Bowl champions, yeah, one year's not going to get it done, Ed. You no, got no. to pay the tax, as they say. And, you know, it was interesting to hear him for his reasoning not going back to New Orleans, his hometown, and play with the Saints as he doesn't feel like they have a need for him. I mean, he wants to go where he's going to play. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess the Saints like what they have and some of the moves they made. They signed Sorensen and Marcus May. Uh, but if if you're looking to be wanted and needed and playing time, we're better than the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they need a guy that's going to come in and play, you know, 98% of your snaps every game on defense. Um, and that's certainly a fit. And, you know, if you go two years with the Honey Badger in Philadelphia, then maybe he thinks, well, okay, we'll, we'll get to the playoffs this year. And then next year, if they're painting the picture properly, Howie Roseman and company, then we're going to make our Super Bowl push in 23, and I want to be a part yeah. of that. We talk about the draft being the misinformation time of the year. Oh, so is free agency. Oh, the fit with the Saints is imperfect. Yeah. Oh, he's working out. To the get Saints into don't want him. Shape, shape ever. Uh, and he's putting quality time in with the family. Cha-ching. That, that, that outweighs everything else. The amount of money in the contract guaranteed. Uh, they can put all the other spins out there. I always believe that money uh, cures all evils. Yeah, we have Marcus May coming off a torn. What he he was in ACL, right, Jody? Marcus May, was he? I forget which one it was. Yeah, um, he was injured last year. Um, they got an injured Marcus May and Daniel Sorensen, who runs like I don't want to say me, but probably runs like Ed Kratz. He can go a little bit, but not much. <laughs> Run a good uh, twenty time, but yeah. then really, you know, goes downhill at that. First <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm not spying that the Saints don't want uh, the Honey Badger. I, I I mean, the Honey Badger doesn't think the Saints need him. I think the Saints have looked at the landscape and said, uh, well, you know, once you at this price, that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, if I'm the shame on Mickey Loomis, we're questioning why he did the draft that he, uh, the deal that he did with the Eagles. If he can't see that Honey Badger is better than the two safeties already signed, yeah. there's a reason yeah. for it. He knows what the Honey Badger's price tag's going to be, and he was looking for to get a less expensive alternative. All right, well, Ed, I saw on the site on SI you uh, wrote about um, running back Miles Sanders and coming into his contract year with the Eagles year on how important availability is. Um, how are the Eagles going to man their running back spot? We expect them to get one in the draft, not another via free agency. They've got three competent guys already under contract, but all of them, well, uh, Gamewell certainly got more time on his contract left, but Miles is a final year. Scott was a one-year deal. Um, how is, in your mind, the Eagles running back room shaping up and how are they going to use it this year? Well, they're gonna they're gonna try to make sure Miles Sanders is gonna be the guy, right? They're, they'll use Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, but you know this will be Miles Sanders' show. He's down in Houston working out, getting ready for the season. He understands the importance of this season. I, you know, I don't know why it takes a contract year for players to understand the importance 
uh, of a season. But, uh, you know, he is, you know, uh, understanding that this is his final year of his contract. He wants to keep playing. He's a young guy. Um, and I think he'll be the Eagles bell cow once again. But the issue with him, obviously, has been staying healthy. And if he can get through 17 games and he can be a thousand yard rusher, which shouldn't be that hard in a 17 game NFL season now. But if he can get to 1100 yards and, you know, catch another 30 to 40 passes and add another 400 yards in that area of the game. Uh, improve his pass blocking, then he'll stick around on another contract. That's a lot of ifs for Miles Sanders. Um, and he sees what the Eagles have done with other guys, his teammates, giving them extensions after they've shown that they've deserved them. And, you know, maybe his hope is, you know, for the first month, if he can, you know, really shine, the Eagles will extend him before the season even reaches the halfway point. Um, but he's got to go out and prove it. And, it is an issue because, like you mentioned, Jody, they only have uh, one player under contract at running back after this season, and that's Kenny Gainwell. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll draft somebody, you know, in the draft, but probably on the third day. Um, and there are good, some good running backs that will be available on that third day, and I think they'll try to get one of them. Uh, but, yeah, I think the ball's in Miles Sanders' court. He's got to come out, and he's got to show that he can be the guy. And the Eagles, to me, are going to give him every chance to be the guy. And now he has to take advantage of it, and he's working hard to try to make that happen. All right, Ed, last one from me, uh, and follow Ed on Twitter at Kratz E. Uh, that's K-R-A-C-Z-E-S-I.com, obviously backslash NFL, backslash Eagles. It's top 30 visit season. So you and I have been compiling these visits, and I think we're at 11 – uh, as of yesterday, I haven't checked this morning. I'll do that some some of that work after we get off the air. But um, how important are these visits? How much should be people? How much should people be paying attention? And um, does it does it give you a valuable intel on the Eagles' thinking when you look at these visits? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you get 30 of them. Uh, you're going to want to take them seriously. It's a chance to spend some time, quality time, with someone that you could potentially be interested in. And, you know, the Eagles always, you know, they don't just bring in first-round talent. They bring in guys that you can find throughout the draft. And if you look back, I think it was the 2020 draft, they brought in Jalen Rager, uh, Davion Taylor. Um, I'm forgetting the third one. But three guys that they drafted were, you know, paid a visit to the complex and Raekwon Williams was another one and he didn't get drafted, but they were, uh, he was an undrafted free agent. Um, so was yeah. Was that Kayvon's year? Kayvon? Was he yes, the other? Yeah, it was, was Kayvon. It was Davion Taylor, Kayvon Wallace and Jalen Rager and Raekwon Williams that were for the visits. And now things were done a little differently. Most of them were virtual, obviously because of the pandemic. Um, but they did have virtual meetings with those four and others, but um, they were the four that they brought in, you know, Williams as an undrafted free agent. So, yeah, I think it's important and it's a, it's something to really monitor these visits because uh, one or two of them, I think will be Eagles in the draft or after the draft. Um, and it's interesting to see, they haven't brought in any wide receivers yet, which is kind of a, a curious situation, but there's only 11 that we know of that have been reported. Yeah. Still, so still plenty have, of room. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that math is, 11 plus whatever equals 30. What's it? <laughs> 19. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. 
Um, but yeah, so you have 19 more. So I would expect a receiver to come in at some point, but right, right. now that's not the case. It's interesting to see, you know, they brought in two offensive linemen, uh, Tyler Smith from Tulsa, big yeah. tackle, you know, uh, and then Kenyon green, who some people have linked to the Eagles, uh, as an interior offensive lineman. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to see it's certainly in play the offensive line as well, knowing getting back to the start of the show, talking about the Eagles love for the trenches, you know, it certainly applies to the offensive side too. And maybe these two guys are going to be in the mix somewhere uh, in the draft or that position anyway, could be in the mix in the draft. So uh, I think it's always interesting to see who comes in for a visit. So let me take it, uh, follow up and take it one step further. Um, You just gave us some good info on uh, the draft from just two years ago when the Eagles we know who they drafted. You can look back and say, well, but who did they meet with ahead of time? Pretty damn big percentage. Uh, so that tells you plenty. Can you read anything into the order in which they come in? Because as soon as the combine is over and done with and the pro days, you can start to schedule these meetings. 11 have already taken place. They've got an option on 19 more. Does it tell you more if they're one of the first handful that come in? Does it tell you more if they're one of the handful closest to the draft i don't know if you've done this number crunching yet or if your memory serves you best uh but is there anything to be read into when these pre-draft meetings actually take place yeah i I don't think it's a very good idea to rely on my memory (laughs) Uh, it's not the best at times but um yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I don't know the answer to it. I haven't crunched the numbers, and like I said, my memory would. Not... Right, there's a, there's a column for you, Kratz. Uh, I give you a, I give you a hand. Give you a lift up here. Yeah, I'm always open for ideas, Jody. Feel free to text me any ideas you might have. Um, you know, but... you go to Bed Bath and Beyond, wander the <laughs> aisles, right. and maybe maybe columns will come to you. Maybe some Lowe's, some Home Depot. I yeah, got some time. I got to find the water cooler, yeah. right? No. Go hang by the water cooler and see what everybody's talking about. Uh, yeah. Hey, real quick, I said last one, but I want to get this in. Odds that Andre Dillard and Jalen Rager are on this team by the end of the draft. Yeah, well, you could throw Gardner Minshew in there as well. Oh, um, all right. You know, and because well, Eddie's got him drafting a quarterback. I forgot about that. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Mark that down. Gardner. Write that down so I can hear about it after the draft when they don't take it. <laughs> you'll hear about it, buddy. Don't, don't, fear yep. not one way or the other. You'll hear about it. I know. Hey, well, we could talk about Brandon Brooks too. I'd love to, you know, revisit that situation. <laughs> but uh, what was that? Oh, the chance. Uh, yeah. Dillard, Andre. So yeah. Andre Jalen, Jalen Rager, don't want to upset people. Uh, and oh, you threw Gardner in there, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, again, going back to the 30 visits, if you bring in a Tyler Smith or, a, I don't know, somebody, you know, another tackle at some point in the draft, then, yeah, I would I would think Dillard could be dealt. Um, you know, he – with Andre, it's really, you're, you're kind of, he's a left tackle and that's it. You know, you're not comfortable putting him at right tackle. So he doesn't give you that optionality that Stoutland and, you know, I'm sure Roseman would like to have. So, you know, if, if uh, Lane Johnson gets hurt, then you got to shift Mulata over to the right side because he knows how to do it and then put Dillard in at left tackle. But, and that's kind of the problem with Dillard. Um, but you would think that, yeah, Dillard will certainly be on the block. I'm sure how he's already had discussions about trading Andre Dillard just because he is a left tackle and a left tackle only. 
Um, and then Jalen Rager. Yeah. The, the question with Rager though, is, you know, he, he was a first round pick just two years ago where Dillard was a first round pick three years ago. We kind of know what Dillard is. He's a left tackle period. Uh, Rager, you would really need to get some good value for, uh, and I'm not sure there's going to be a team willing to go. I would think Howie would probably part with him with a second round offer, but I'm not sure you're going to find one of those sitting out there. Unless teams get desperate during the draft and they're seeing the board not falling their way at a position like receiver that they might need somebody, then maybe they say, hey, we'll give you, you know, a pick in next year's draft if you trade us Rager now. So I don't, I don't think it's out of the question at all that Rager, Dillard, and maybe Minshew could be moved. Would they move all three? That would be a lot of trading. I don't see that. But I think of those three, yeah, we could see one of them gone, uh, if not before the draft, then at some point during the draft. When I put up the three sign for Rager, that doesn't mean third round. That means third day. That's the highest they could get for Jalen Rager. He's not he's not getting a second or a third round. Third only, day. Only takes one, Jody. Only takes one. Uh, as we saw with Mickey Loomis, it only takes one. That's right. That's True. right. Uh, I feel pretty confident in saying I've got a good grasp on Jalen Rager's value across the league right now. Uh, the value that he pre- presents to us whenever he comes on is off the charts. Ed Cratch, you have our permission to go shopping wherever you need to go shopping, be it <laughs> Bath and Beyond or Lowe's or ShopRite or wherever else. Uh, get out there, do some shopping, and we'll get you up here again soon enough. Thanks, bud. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated, Eagle Maven here with us on Birds 365. All right, Jody Mack, Johnny Mack, coming back. Uh, we'll give you some more Eagle stuff, and then uh, we're crossing our fingers. You got no uh, clay uh, re- relocation uh, today, Johnny Mack? Not do that we, I'm aware of. Do we we'll know see. he's staying put? We, we'll we missed out on him earlier this week because Mother Nature threw him some travel plan alterations uh, because of some nasty weather. But former Eagle tight end Clay Harbor scheduled to join us coming up about 20 minutes from now here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. McMullen, your Mega Mac Birds 365 guys of football Friday. Kratz knows I'm just pimping them, right? Uh, sometimes Ed's facial reactions here on Birds 365 scare me. That he's like getting mad at me because I'm kind of like jabbing him a little in the ribs. He knows I'm just pimping him, right? Yeah, he knows. He knows. Okay. Well, that's like your bad. Like I see, I always see you rolling your eyes when I say something. You, you don't like so yeah you got to get used to it jody that's yeah but i will tell you that uh as crazy as it sounds and i know it sounds crazy um he's not pulling that second round pick out of his you know what that that is that is real um for jalen rager yeah i know um now, I don't think the Eagles are getting that. But I think that's where the Eagles started when they started talking about it. Really? They were asking for a two? Uh, that's, 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 that's what I heard. Okay. Good, good luck. Uh, no chance, no shot, no way. Uh, like I said, uh, if he gets moved, which, oh, by the way, if they trade him, they would have to take a pretty significant dead cap hit. And we've yeah, seen I the blown up the Eagles. Uh, it's, uh, it's much worse if they release them. But, yeah, it's still – and that's why they want something of value. But, you know, the thing about Jalen Rager is – and, again, I always talk about uh, actions which are far greater than words in this league. Um, he – you know, everything they've done, even though they haven't succeeded, everything they've done – tells you they're done with Jalen Rager. I mean, you know, you and I have talked, debated all the time, and you're 100% right. It doesn't matter unless you acquire somebody. But they tried and tried and tried and tried to get a receiver. Then they bring in Zach Pascal as sort of the safety net for Nick Sirianni, the Linus's blanket. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, if they don't add somebody in the draft, which is not going to happen, they are going to add somebody at, at some point. Um, even, But even if you, they don't, by some strange cataclysmic event, um, they have no plans on playing Jalen Rager. So, I mean, you know, why is he going to be here? Why is he going to show up to, to off-season work? Why is he going to show up for little off-season work that they want? He's not happy. That's pretty clear. By, by the way he's acted on social media in the past. And by the way, he shouldn't be happy. Uh, he wants a change of scenery. Uh, the Eagles want a change of scenery. I don't see how it's tenable. So they got to do something. Uh, they got to get him out of here some way. 
And they will be able to get something. Yes, I've had the same reaction of you when I heard second-round pick. It was probably worse. I was like, are you flipping kidding me? Um, and then everybody, it does only take one dumb team uh, who might go back to the college tape and say, well, we can make something. You know egos. Um, but when when I say that, I find it very hard to believe that. But I do think it's almost 100% that Jalen Rager's not going to be here uh, come training camp. And pro- may, probably not even minicamp. Uh, they don't have minicamp, but the OTAs in, in May. Well, then they better warm up to that fourth or fifth round pick that they're going to get because they're not getting a second round pick. I don't think they get a third round Well, pick. I agree with that part of it. There's yeah. no way. I mean, you could start, hey, Godspeed. You can ask for whatever you want. I find it hard to believe somebody's going to bite on that. Yeah, you can ask for a top 10 pick in the first round this yeah. year, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. I do want to stay with the wide receiver position, though, because a couple other guys around the league, uh, there was – quote-unquote, information out on. Um, A.J. Brown, whose name has been tossed out, uh, he's on the last year of his contract before. He's going to have to get that all-important second deal, and it's going to be up in the over $20 million range with the numbers that he's put up with the Titans so far. Um, His coach came out yesterday and said, Mike Rabel said, as long as I'm coach, he's going to be a member of this Tennessee Titan team which what's my favorite John McMullen line about uh, people uh, within organizations talking about potential future moves, John? Uh, Not under oath. Not under oath. Mike Vrabel is not under oath when he says, as long as I'm coach, AJ, but he, unless he's the one who's going to go into his own pocket to cut the deal for the new contract that Brown is going to make, he might be talking out of turn and, or he's putting out information that he wants out for varying reasons, um, there's a reason why that uh, rumor got started, because it makes some sense. If Tennessee believes that he is that type of a receiver and he's in the uh, next group down from the Adamses and the Hills of the world, well, it's real easy. Get a deal done. But they haven't been able to do that yet. So uh, there have been rumors out there that he could be available as, as per a trade. Uh, but the coach wanted to back those rumors off for whatever reason. You buying what the coach is saying? Certainly not a end-all, be-all statement of he's not being traded, but Tennessee being less likely to trade him or less motivated to trade him. What do you think of the <clears throat> Mike Vrabel statement yesterday? I don't think they want to trade him. Um, it becomes a situation. I don't think the Chiefs wanted to trade You know, Tyreek Hill. I don't think the Packers wanted to trade Devontae Adams, to be honest. Um, sometimes it gets to a point where you feel you have to trade a player. So I think there's two different uh, sort of, um, you know, sides of the demarcation line, so to speak. So, um, you know, the, the Packers essentially offered the same co- contract. Some say it was a little bit better and Devontae just wanted to go. Um and, you know, Tyreek Hill, again, the Chiefs thought they were extending the guy, and all of a sudden it turns bad. So these things happen really, really quickly. And, you know, when Ed was on, uh, just looking it up again, uh, the uh, Brandon Cooks contract popped up, 
in my text, uh, 36 million guaranteed on his extension. Um, it's a lot of money, 18 million and AJ Brown's getting more than that. Um, way more than that, I would say. So we're in a new realm. We talked about it a little bit with Randy Mueller earlier this week at the wide receiver position. This is interesting because typically um, teams haven't done this. This is a sea change at this particular position. And um, it's, it's, you know, you can see one team, one local team trying to hold the line the best they can, but the, the water is just flowing in, man. It is just, it is breaking the dam. And I don't know if Tennessee wants to pay that kind of money. Um, but it, it's not going to be up to Mike Brabel. I know that. So he can say whatever he wants and he can be telling the truth that he wants the player, but ultimately he's not going to be the one making that decision. And I got to give you credit because you were right, uh, kind of projecting and predicting about the Brandon Cooks contract. It did come back more than Allen Robinson's contract. Yeah, it's bizarre. Which, which makes me think only one thing. The Eagles didn't go after Allen Robinson hard enough. Well, I, I know yeah. he landed with the Rams, who are the Super Bowl champions, and it's Hollywood. But the Rams got him for now, and this is an ever-changing and fluid situation. You look at the contract they signed Allen Robinson to, it looks like a bargain. Oh, it does. Yeah, that's how quickly things have changed. I mean, they, they changed that quickly. It is a bargain. And maybe they got a little bit of a Super Bowl discount. Uh, maybe wants to play there. I don't know. You never know the intricacies of all these things. But, yeah, I mean, it is it, a bargain. Here's the reason why, it, in my estimation, it's a bargain. And it uh, lends me to the next question I was going to ask perfectly. The franchise tender. Allen Robinson had to play under one in Chicago. When you do that, it to me, it usually raises your expectation. All right, a team is willing to slap a tag on me. That means they're so afraid that the rest of the National Football League is going to put out an offer that's going to blow them away and take them out of the water. I, I would guess that your expectations are pretty damn high when you get away from being tagged. And he comes back at only $10 million per guaranteed for Allen Robinson? That is not that much of a deal, John. The Rams got a steal. No, a lot of it plays. I mean, he's had some injury issues over the years. Who knows what comes into it? But, um, yeah, I mean, I would have tried for Allen Robinson. I love the player. Um, I always thought he'd be a great fit uh, for the Eagles. Um, and they wanted him, and, you know, but the Eagles are very disciplined. I talk about it all the time. And sometimes that uh, they're disciplined to a fault. Um, and they are in a spot. You know, you can't have it both ways, Jody. You can't go out there and say publicly, essentially, um, you know, we're building. We're in a transition. We're building. What I call the we're, we're not ready mentality. Uh, you can't publicly state this and not understand and assume everybody's going to pick up on the hogwash of it. Uh, and, you know, maybe Alan Robinson saying, well, they're not ready. Um, and I got a chance to go play with Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald and uh, so forth and Jalen Ramsey and on and on and on and on, you know, 
you can't have it both ways. If you're going to act like a, and I'll, I'll use a baseball term that you'll be very familiar with. If you're going to act like a small market team, people are going to treat you like a small market team. So you can't have it both ways. And the difference is there are, although I think it's a catch-all defense, uh, there are actually small market teams in baseball. Oh, sure there are. Sure there are. Different different financial landscape. Exactly. There's Um, individual TV contracts and like the NFL takes their 32 teams and they hack it up evenly between all of them. So it doesn't matter what size market you're in, you're driving revenues equivalent to those teams in the biggest markets in the United States. The argument holds no water. It holds some in baseball, none in football. But I get the point you're trying to make. It's perception. Yes, the perception perception is is greater than reality. And it's true. And that's a cliche. Cliches are usually cliches for a reason, because there's a lot there's usually a lot of truth behind them. Um, And perception is greater than reality. And if you're going to act a certain way, don't be surprised when people treat you that way. And I think the Eagles are caught in that sort of cycle right now. Which is a non-competing for the Super Bowl cycle. And, yeah, with the NFC being what it is this year, I can see where some Eagle fans go, wait a minute, why aren't we doing more? We still have uh, less than three weeks to go now to the draft, and Eagles will be aided by that. They've got uh, both assets and top assets and depth assets and the like. They're going to have a better roster after the draft is over and done with, but yeah, there's been a couple of trades and some free agent signings that other teams have improved upon their rosters at this point where the Eagles have had them. They're trying to serve that dual master that Jeff Lurie put out there at the owners' meetings of building for both the future and the present at the same time. Easier said than done. And it's Howie Roseman's task. And uh, I think both John and I have uh, agreed that he's leaning more toward the future than the present when maybe the present would be the better way to go because of the state of the NFC as we sit here right now. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mackamack Birds 365 guys. Hoping to hear from Clay Harbor. How did you develop a relationship with Clay again, the former Eagle tight end? Uh, just on social media. I wasn't here when Clay. Clay was here 2010 to 2012. So the end of the Andy Reid uh, regime uh essentially um i was not here i was in another city um so never got to know him as a player but we follow each other on social media so basically yeah that's it uh, we'll certainly ask him about his days as an eagle his days in the nfl his days on the bachelorette interesting we'll get a chance to talk to oh let me just make one more social media point before we get a break in here uh, the latest guy to do this in the National Football League. And it's a it's become a trend that I guess I just have to get used to. I'm telling you, I think it's uh, counterproductive. It's silly, um, but it may be effective. So I might have to walk silly back a little bit. Did you see the latest guy to make a statement without making a statement about his tenure with his team, Johnny Mac? No. What do you Debo Samuel oh, I did. Yeah, it, has yeah, removed the, all references to the 49ers. The top uh, negotiating tactic in the modern uh, generation. Remove all. Yeah, 
That is the go-to move now, Jody. It's becoming that. But that then again, the uh, I remember when Stephon Diggs removed the Viking stuff, and I rolled my eyes. It was like a Jody Mack rolling of the eyes. And three hours later, we was at Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. I don't like it, but you have to acknowledge it. It yeah. has had consequences before, hasn't for Kyler Murray, who's probably the biggest name who's done it most recently and supposedly now he's okay with the cardinals if you do erase them and then you put them back. i didn't even know how to erase them i don't i i literally don't i need xander's help if i wanted to do that i couldn't even do it i don't know how they do it so god bless them and then they erase only certain messages and then bring them back i don't i don't even know how you do nor, nor do I, but uh, it is something that you must keep your eye on if yeah. you believe that a player is going to be taking a stance or making a statement about his tenure with a team. Uh, yeah, Debo, out in Sanford, if you believe it's the be-all, end-all, that you can wave your magic Instagram wow. wand and make things happen. Debo all Samuel these, all will be re- elsewhere soon. Jody, all these receivers are pissed, man. They're all looking at these deals and go, what about me? I just thought Debo, I love Debo Samuel. I love him as a player. I mean, I don't blame him. So everybody's got a top-tier receiver. Um, you know, they're they're quaking in their boots right now because they're all going, when, when are they coming in? The Here's only guys why- who are safe because you can't have an extension are Cincinnati – because Chase can't ask for an extension. And Minnesota has one more year, I think, with Jefferson before he can ask for an extension. That's it. <laughs> you got to have him in those first couple of years. Debo is just officially reached because he's. I know he's still on his rookie contract, but he is now eligible for a contract. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I believe he is. Well, that's he right, because he wasn't a first second round, round pick. Second round pick. Second yeah. round pick. That's second why round he's pick, coming yeah. up earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So if you go to Debo Samuel's uh, Instagram, you will not see any 49er mention. He has yeah. removed them all. The 2022 negotiation tactic of the National Football League. All right. Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here on the Birds 365 Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yes. What are we asking you to do, Johnny Mac? Those of you who are streaming in right now. Like. Share, subscribe. And they're not, they're none of them are all that hard. So please do that for us today. We come back. We're hoping to hear from Clay Harbor, ex-Philadelphia Eagle tight end. Hopefully he joins us here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mega Mac guys, one third. 365 McDonald and McMullen, along with ex-Philadelphia Eagle tight end Clay Harbor joins us here on Birds 365. Clay, thanks for a couple of minutes, bud. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing doing very well. Thanks for joining the show, Clay. I feel always when I have a former NFL tight end, I want to I want to start the conversation at tight end uh, and. Your old team, one of your old team, the Eagles, yeah. has one of the best tight ends in football right now in Dallas Goddard. I, you know, from your perspective, uh, when you look at the top guys, and we know George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, how high is the ceiling, do you think, for Dallas Goddard as as a tight end in this league? I think um, I think it's very high. I think right now he's already a top five tight end, in my opinion. I did my rankings uh, a couple weeks ago, and I had – I had got her right at uh, right at five. Obviously, you got Kelsey, you got Kittle. My top two spots have uh, Dalton Schultz six. You know, I have uh, Mark Andrews up there in the three. Mark yeah. Andrews, yeah. yeah. The last couple of years, he's been playing great. And then, um, you know, after that, I think you know it's got her. You know, he's 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 close. You know, if you look at his career numbers, he's he's got almost two hundred catches. Uh, 2,300 yards, 16 touchdowns, and he's better than one but for, you know, half a season, right? So I think it's it's really incredible what he's been able to do now that they've really handed the reins over to him. I think he's going to come into his own, have his first full season of work with Jalen, with the team, and the way he can catch the ball, his size, his speed, his routes, and his run after the catch, I think sets him apart from a lot of other guys. Clay, we're only now three weeks uh, away from the draft, less than that. Uh, so I want to take you back there to 2010 when yeah. you were selected by the Philadelphia Eagles in the fourth round. 
give us a quick synopsis of what that was like. Average your season, uh, you end up uh, declaring for the draft. You know you're going to, you don't know, but you believe you're going to be drafted. Yeah. And you end up going day three, but the fourth round to the Eagles and not everybody had you ranked that high. Uh, talking to the Eagles, believing that they might take you, then what it was like when you found out you were going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. Give us your best lead up to the draft memories. Man, I, I really love that process. You'll go into a small school. It's uh, it was it was great. You know, there hadn't been a draft pick from Missouri State in twenty years or fifteen years, something like that. My college, and doing the All Star games, I had the most most yards per game in the nation as a tight end. Obviously, I'm from a smaller school. Most catches per game as a tight end. Smaller school, been, and um, I really got a chance to prove myself in the East West Shrine game, the the All Star games. I go there. I didn't know what to expect because you don't know how good these guys are with the Alabama and the Florida on their helmets. And I really, you know, I think I'm as good as these guys. I've never, I don't know for a certainty. When I started playing, I go, wow, this is just like, this is just like the Missouri Valley Conference. Obviously, a little bit quicker. There's some differences. Maybe the, the great players are a little bit better. But it wasn't it wasn't a huge difference to me, and I was and I just remember thinking like, wow, like I really can do this. I'm really as good as these guys. I go to the combine, I have a really good combine. I had a 40 inch vertical. I had 30 reps on the bench. I had a 10.5 broad jump. I, I ran a 4.540 at my pro day, a 4.6 the combine, and um, you know I was hoping I was hoping for the third round. And, I was hearing a lot of that, and then I fell to the fourth, but I was just happy to get the call and to get drafted. And it was a really fun day with my family. And um, it's a memory I'll always have. It's a great experience. Coach Reed, I get a call, and it's it's Andy Reed. You know, I'm like, wow, this is insane. Like, Coach Reed, it's like, hey, how do you feel about being a Philip Eagle? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a special moment. It was just such an exciting time and going to Philly and meeting the guys. And we had Marty Morton, I guess we're offensive coordinator then. You know, Brent Selleck was our starting tight end. And we had such big names on our team, like walking in, going from Missouri State, walking in. There's Michael Vick, there's Deshaun Jackson, man, there's Macklin. You know, there's all these guys that you've seen. It was just a really fun time. Clay, from that draft perspective and a player, because I I think fans don't have this sort of a – a firm understanding because they don't get to see a lot of behind the scenes, the visits, the, the combine, the pro days, all that kind of stuff. So when the day is coming up and you think you're going to be a third round pick or it turns out fourth round, how, how, how much do you and your agent kind of know which teams it's going to be, or are you in the dark and you don't get that feel for, for who's really interested in drafting Clay Harbor? You, you think you have an idea because you take these visits. And I took a lot of visits. I took like 10 pre-draft visits. Um, you talk to people at the combine. The one team I never really talked to was the Eagles. They were completely off my radar. I heard they needed like a tight end, but like I didn't think that there was a shot at all. I didn't talk to them. And um, getting a call from Coach Reedham, I thought it was like Rams who were a few picks behind them because they had really been interested. So for me and my personal experience and some of the later rounds that I've talked to, we didn't know this team was even interested in us. And it ended up being a surprise, which was a good surprise, obviously, in my, in my um, opinion. But 
I was shot when I went to the Eagles. I never had any any interactions with them. Never talked to them. You know, never heard from them. Then all of a sudden, I'm getting the phone call on Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, and uh, these are the kind of surprises you look for. And when they happen, you take advantage of them. You did coming here to Philadelphia. Caught passes from mostly Michael Vick, but also Nick Foles, who went on, of course, to uh, help the Eagles win their lone Super Bowl back in 2017. Give us the difference between those two guys. What catching a Vick ball was like, what catching a Foles ball was like. Well, Vick was had that different spin on it. And to me, at first, that threw me off a little bit, just going for playing right-hand quarterbacks my whole my whole career. And then, you know, Michael Vick's ball, where he had this, this arm motion that looked like he was just throwing darts, you know, balls, shooting up. And, and his left-handed ball. But um, I mean, Mike threw a nice spiral. Um, Nick, threw, you know, Nick threw a good ball, but obviously two different type quarterbacks. Man, I mean, you couldn't get further apart from each other. Nick's the big, burly you know, uh, quarterback, six foot six, you know, 230 pounds. Yeah, who's, you know, six foot soaking wet, 200 pounds. You know, six foot, and I don't think Mike was a small guy. People don't realize that. Um, he's not as big as people think. You, you see Michael Vick, like that's Michael Vick. Small guy, man, but he could he really could throw sling the ball and he could move and he was just an exceptional talent. He's a... You know, Clay, um Michael Vick is one of those guys. When I when I've talked to NFL players over the years, there's certain guys. One right now is Aaron Donald. Uh I used to talk to Brandon Brooks and you know, Brandon arguably was the best right guard in football for, uh, you know, a couple-year period. And he's just in awe of Aaron Donald. They used to talk about players about Randy Moss, and they were in awe. Is Mike Vick kind of that guy? Because uh, I've heard so many players just talk about his just raw physical ability as a quarterback. Um, is he one of those guys that uh, kind of spawns that even – from his peers saying this guy's a little bit different. Oh yeah. I remember that my rookie year when Mike Vick came in the game, it was against the first game of the season. We were in the Kelly green uniforms. We were playing against the green Bay Packers. Kevin Cobb starts. He ended up getting hurt and we're getting the, the, you know, our brains beating at that point. We're getting crushed. Mike Vick comes in and just has this incredible game. He's running up and down the field, and I caught myself a few times forgetting I was actually playing in this game. And just walking, <laughs> I want to step out of it, Clay. You got to go in here whenever they call two tight end sets. But yeah, he was one of those guys. You would see some things, and you and the players would just look at each other and just you'd shake your head, and like, "Wow, like yeah, this guy can play. This guy can do some things that we haven't seen in this league." And um, that's, you know, that's Mike Vick. He was almost a larger than life uh, character. You know, the guy has been talked about so much. Number one overall draft pick, overcoming so much with the legal stuff he's been through in his career and signing a $100 million contract. And everybody liked Mike, a great guy. And um, he was he's really larger than life guy. It was, it was incredible. It was great to play with him. And he was just a super nice dude, down to earth. And uh, was a great guy to go to battle with. 
Clay, I do want to ask you about your days post-Philadelphia because we're most concerned with what you did here with the Eagles because we are Birds 365. But afterward, you went to Jacksonville for a good couple of seasons. Yes, you bounced around at the end with the Lions and the Saints and the Patriots. Is there any point where you just said, as much as I love football, and we know how much you love football, the just nomadic aspect of it, you got to be ready to get up and move and find a new apartment, do whatever. It's great for the players who sign their first contract and then stay with their team for 15 years and never have to leave. Uh, but a guy like yourself was as motivated as you were to stay in the league, had to go from team to team to team. How did that play for you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing because people, when they hear about, when they think of NFL players, they always think about these guys that are signing the $100 million contracts and $50 million contracts with the team for years. And looking back, I definitely made some mistakes as far as where I went. You know, after Philly, I go to Jacksonville. It's a, it's a good three seasons there. Um, and they wanted to sign me for a longer three-year deal at the end of my contract. So I'm like, I could probably stay here. I've been here three for another three years, be a Jaguar. But I had an offer from the Patriots for, for two years. And going back and forth, I'm like, should I stay in Jacksonville? Just, you know, obviously I've, I've really proved myself. I, I was a much better football player in Jacksonville than I was in Philadelphia. If you ask a fan in Jacksonville versus a fan in Philadelphia about me, they're going to say, wow, Clay Harbor was consistent. He caught everything that came his way. He was a great blocker. You know, obviously we didn't have success in Jacksonville, but in Philly, I was young and I was still figuring this whole thing out coming from Missouri State. Family say, you know, Harbor was, you know, if he ups and downs, he had some drops, you know, whatever, had a couple good blocks, a couple, he let a couple guys go. Complete different places. I really came out in Jacksonville. Obviously, the numbers are harder to get, but if you have 300 yards, you know, I was a top PFF, top 40 tight end three years in Jacksonville. I, I had 300 yards twice in Jacksonville. When you're with the worst offense in the league, that's hard to do. Number 32 out of 32. But I regret making that choice to move to New England. Looking back at it, I go to New England because I want to chase the Super Bowl. I want to play with Brady, Belichick. I signed this deal. It was a nice little deal. But um, I get hurt when I come in there. They obviously had Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett. They drafted a tight end. And they had another uh, big-time tight end. I Somehow I make the team. I didn't think I was going to make the team. I'm injured this whole offseason. Make the team. I'm on the, I'm on the team for five, six games. A um, couple injuries. We're going to let you go. We're trying to bring you back. But uh, we don't know. They let me go. The next day, I get a call from um, Detroit, San Francisco, New York Jets. We want you to come. You know, we've been looking for a tight end. Come out here to uh, – and um, Oakland. Oakland actually signed, offered me the best contract, but Detroit told me to have a chance to start. I'm like, if I get a chance to start, I'm confident. I, want, I'm, I think I'm going to play well, get a good contract. It didn't really happen that way. The guy wasn't hurt the way they said he was when I signed there. And then I played with Detroit, but ended up um, ended up uh, making the playoffs that year, you know, playing a playoff game. But New England ended up winning the Super Bowl. The team, uh, you know, I started with ended up winning, winning the Super Bowl 28-3. to And uh, that, was, that was fun watching them. But the guys you're in training camp with, you know, the OTAs, you're with in the season – it was a weird feeling watching them celebrate on the field. Like, man, like I was really with this team. It should have been me. And that's the whole reason I signed. Jacksonville offered me the same monetary contract, an extra year. And um, it, it started to, to bounce around a little bit. Detroit. And then after Detroit offered me a little deal, I ended up signing with um, New, New Orleans instead. And I ended up getting hurt. 
missed the whole season. Then after that, the next season, my last year, I have a bunch of workouts lined up. I go to my first workout in Buffalo. So it was my ninth season. And on the field with uh, McDermott, Brian Dable, all those guys, I run a dig route that I ran a million times. I tear my groin on my on the field. Just a freak, a freak accident. I'm mm. out for six months, out for the whole season. So I missed that New Orleans season, the end of it. And then this whole season, I tear my groin during a workout. Like, if you're healthy and in shape, we're going to sign. You're going to be our number two tight end. Missed the whole year, and that's how my career ended. Well, you did have eight years, though, Clay. And you mentioned your time in New England. So you started with Andy Reid. Yeah. You had time with Bill Belichick. In those eight years, you arguably played for the two best coaches of this generation. Do you ever sit back and think, like, wow, what what kind of, you know, influence those types of coaches had on my career and and you know you mentioned Jacksonville and obviously some other situations you were in that weren't as successful as as Andy and Bill have been how much of a a, a dichotomy is that when you see the best and you know, everybody can't be the best if everybody was the best then there wouldn't be anybody who's at the top of their profession so just curious if you Notice the difference between that top tier level of coaching and in other situations. Yeah, when I, I mean, it was I went from Jacksonville to uh, to New England in one year. I mean, you couldn't have went from a worse team to a better team. I literally went from the from the worst to the best. And the, the, what I noticed as soon as we got there, I was like, well, I mean, this is a business, man. This this place is the accountability level, and what you're asked to do in New England is much higher in Jacksonville. It's fun. I mean, we love the environment, but we're losing coaches. were great. They were fun guys to play for, but we couldn't win games in new England. It was business. You're going to do this or you're not going to be here. And that's in, it was just more of a accountability. Everybody knew what they had to do. You had to study. You had to be on the top of your game. It was more competitive even. And um, it felt different. It felt like you knew, that coming in, you were the favorite. You were supposed to win. Not like when Jacksonville, you're waiting for something bad to happen. Like, okay, okay. Like somebody throws an interception. There it goes. Like we were playing so well. We're in a game and then we throw a pick and something happens. In New England, you know, that was the Flategate year too. So we didn't have time for our first four games and we still came out three and one. You know, and people didn't expect that to happen. So that was uh that was an interesting experience, just knowing that you're on the Patriots and you have this coaching. And I've said Brian Dable is my tight end coach. I mean, this is, this guy is really smart. He's an offensive guru, awesome guy. You know, I love Dable. And um, obviously I'm, I'm happy for him in New York giant coach. Obviously you guys don't want him to be successful. Uh, and neither do I as a birds fan, but I mean, Dable's <laughs> he's a player's coach, but the coaching staff they put there is incredible. I mean, you had Brian Flores, you had Brian Dable, you had, uh, um, uh, the, the the last specialty, the last coach, the New York Giants, uh, Joe Judge. Joe Judge. Yeah, you had Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. These guys were, I mean, just top of the line guys, and they all know their stuff. Um, you, offensive offensive coordinator. Obviously, you had uh, Josh McDaniels. Josh was he there? Yeah. yeah, he was there. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy staff he had, and everybody knew what you had to do to to be on the field. Clay, uh, after your playing days had come and gone. 
You became a bit of a TV star. And usually when we think about ex-football <laughs> players as TV stars, we think they're in a booth calling games on Sunday or maybe in a studio somewhere, yeah. breaking down and preparing for upcoming games and the like. Somehow you became a reality TV star. Yeah, don't ask me, man. This was it was. Uh... <laughs> no, that's exactly what I'm going to ask you. Yeah, was yeah. it you? Was it your agent? Was it your mom? How does an NFL player become a reality TV star? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm still asking myself that question uh, as well. I, what was I thinking? You know, doing this, but no, it was uh, it was just cool opportunity. Um, a friend of mine had had went through this uh, process. I didn't even know what the show was, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and um, it was right after. New Orleans. I'm on IR all year. And um, for me, I thought, hey, this could be cool. It could lead to some cool stuff if I go through this. And I mean, it's a dating show, whatever. Never thinking it could actually get hurt on a dating show. And I ended up actually breaking my wrist on this show. Yeah. And um, so I ended up going on the show. Like, this could lead to some cool opportunities, maybe see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Talking to friends, they told me it was a rally show, but it's, you know, it's on ABC. It's not like a crazy like trashy reality show and you're looking at some of the guys you saw Jordan Rogers, you know, he came a career broadcaster after going on the show, you know, Jesse Palmer, a former draft pick. There were some guys that had done it before and really um, helped their careers out in, in certain ways. And so, Hey, it could be cool. Maybe I'll meet my wife on a TV show. I'm single. And um, they still decide I can train when I was there. I worked out half the time, you know, going on a date with this woman that happened to be a really, really nice girl. And uh, unfortunately for me, I, uh, I ended up breaking my wrist and uh, had to go home. And then after the NFL, after that next season, I went to the uh, workout with Buffalo, got hurt with the groin. I went back on uh, a spinoff show of that uh, of that uh, network, and um, and that's basically it. I was like, hey, I'm not I'm not playing football anymore. Maybe this could lead to something. And kind of just where opportunities arose, seeing what could happen with them and um, really just taking chances. And looking back, I think maybe I shouldn't have went on there if I could take it all back. But, hey, I, it was a cool experience. I made a lot of friends, and it was um, it was something. I'll have a lot of stories to tell to my grandkids. Yeah. Uh, sitting yeah. At the table in a, in, a, in a few years. Um, Clay, I, I, I do want to talk about, uh, I think you were on, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your last um, – attempt at professional football was that team nine with the XFL. XFL. Um, yeah. Um, which I thought was an interesting idea to sort of have. And they're bringing like, it back. Yeah. Yeah. They're bringing it back next year. Dwayne Johnson and uh, uh, bought the league and they're going to bring it back next year, but just the whole environment, I guess it was that eight teams and they called it team nine and you guys would practice like a team. And then if somebody else got injured, was that sort of the mentality of um, then you, you would be brought to uh, one of the teams. Is that sort of how they shifted that whole thing? Cause I think it's an interesting idea for a developmental aspect. People talk about that with professional football it never really comes to, to fruition. Yeah, there's another league they're coming out with. There's a few extra leagues now. But um, for me, the, the the Team 9 thing, I was really trying to get back in the league. And, you know, people, like, didn't think I could stay healthy. So I thought it would be a cool thing. They 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 hit me up. They wanted me to play to, to play the regular season. I wasn't really interested at the time. 
halfway through the year, they hit me up again. The, the, the season's been going on. They're like, hey, we have this workout. We need some guys. If you'd be interested, you know, we got to work out in a couple weeks. Would you want to come? I'm like, no. I'm like, no. But then I started thinking, like, why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, if I go out here to this thing, maybe I, maybe I, uh, I play well and I've got some tape and then there's a NFL team. This was still back in 2020. It was only a couple of years out that needs a tight end. And they're like, Hey, you know, we know this guy can learn a playbook. He can play some special teams. I mean, look at his tape and obviously he's playing the XFL, but he's still got some juice. So I said, whatever, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this workout. So I go to the workout and absolutely murder it. Like I'm feeling good. I'm running crisp routes. Everything's going well. And, um, afterwards I'm like wow like I this was crazy so then you, you go home and I knew I did well and then a, a week later the guy's like yeah obviously you know you crushed this workout we want you to come but the way they did it is in the middle of the season if you sign with the XFL you have to go to team nine for x amount of days before until somebody needs you and you have to be there at least five five days or a week so I go there for the week and I was about to sign with the Dallas running games Literally about to sign playing the week of practice. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm like, I feel like I'm 25 again. I'm running routes. I can't be guard. Obviously, it's the XFL and you're playing against, you know, uh, inferior competition than I was used to in the NFL. But there was still some talent there. Receivers, the defensive backs, like these are talented guys that just needed to be refined a little bit. I thought there was a lot of skill and talent there, in my opinion. And um, right before I was about to sign with the Renegades, pandemic hits, they shut down the league. I go, wow, there goes my comeback attempt. I was playing well, body's feeling great. I just want to get a few games of tape on. As soon as I sign, about to sign with the Renegades, team team XFL's over because of the pandemic. So that was unfortunate, you know, for me there. It truly is. All right, last question for me, Clay. You kind of touched on it. Uh, you mentioned uh, about Brian Dable and we wouldn't be rooting for a success with the yeah. Giants because we're Birds 365. And you said me as an Eagle fan. I'm strapping you to a uh, truthometer here. Who are you a fan of? Where you grew up, the teams that you played for, the coaches that you played for, a couple of your teammates still in the league, probably pretty good friends. Going into 2022, if you're not associated with a team, nobody's reaching out, you're just kicking back, relaxing, and watching the NFL because you're a football guy. Who are you rooting for? So I got three teams. There's three teams, and I guess I can rank them for you guys. I haven't really thought about ever ranking them, but rank them. Yeah, growing up, um, my dad, even when I got drafted, he'd come to games. I mean, where I'm from Chicago, I'm a Bears fan. You know, okay. I'm a Bears fan. You know, Bears have my heart. My dad would come to my games. We're playing against the Bears. My rookie season in Chicago, I have three catches. He comes to the game with an Eagles hat, no, with an Eagles, my jersey, and a Bears hat on. <laughs> did not have the Bears stuff on. I go, Dad, your son is playing the game, and I can't help it, man. I, you know I'm a Bears fan, and at least I got your Eagles jersey on. I'm like, all right, Dad, I appreciate you at least showing some love. But he had his Bears cap on, this guy. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, then the Birds, you know, the team that drafted me, um, I, I had some good times in, in, in Philly. Loved my time there. Still got some teammates there, too. It's cool to watch Kelsey still there. Brandon Graham, a guy from my draft class. I mean, Fletcher Cox, um, Lane Johnson, guys that I played with. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz obviously isn't there anymore, but there's still some guys. There's still some veterans in that locker room that, that I remember playing with. and we had, we had some good times back in the day. Um, so, Birds, 
Eagles, one of my teams, and the Jaguars. You know, in Jacksonville, I really played the best football of my career. Um, I regret leaving there. I should have stayed in Jacksonville for that three-year contract and, and stuck it out with the, with the Jags. I love the organization. Obviously, the, they've had struggles. Uh, the city of Jacksonville is great. But um, to rank them, okay, you know, I don't know. But uh, I'll be a politician, man. It's all an even tie. Nah, you got to go Bears. Come on. You're a Chicago guy. I'm a Chicago guy. I do. But honestly, I find myself watching and talking more about the Eagles. Like on Twitter, if I'm talking sports. I follow the Eagles and the Jags more. Um, I feel like more of a connection there because I actually played there. But in my like in my heart, my family, you know, everybody's Bears fans. So there's always that with the Bears. I'm always, you know, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? It's just more of a nostalgic thing, you know, with the Bears. And I hope they do well. You know, I go to a lot of Bears games just because it's right down. I live in West Loop, Chicago. It's right down the street. I'll ride my bike to a game, you know, a buddy's got a box or a couple extra tickets. We'll go tailgate, you know. So it's it's um it's it's interesting and I, I just love NFL Sunday because I love seeing what those three teams are doing. If one of them aren't playing, when we're playing late game, I know exactly who I'm watching. But I love every I love every um every every team that every one of those teams in a, in a different way. All right, we'll end it there then. We'll end it in Chicago at Clay Harbs eighty two. Follow Clay on Twitter, Clay Harbor Online, former Eagles tight end. Thrilled to have you here, Clay. But well, how excited is Chicago? A new GM, new coach, a young quarterback with a lot of upside. And look, we talk about the passion of Philadelphia fans. The Bears fans are passionate as well. How excited are people in Chicago? People in Chicago are excited. They, they like Eberflus. Um, you know, we got Justin Fields, Ryan Poles, new G- GM. They're excited, but a lot of our moves make it seem like um, make it seem like the Bears are in a rebuild. You know, you, you get you trade away Mac. You haven't really signed a big any big names in free agency. You're being very selective there. And I think it's obviously geared towards geared towards a rebuild. You don't have a big name receiver. You know, you signed a couple offensive linemen, but the general consensus is they're they're going for a rebuild, and I think that it, I I kind of disagree with it because I mean you look at Devontae Adams is gone. Obviously, you got Aaron Rodgers there is gonna be gonna be there for several years to come. But I don't think you got the Vikings, you get the Lions coming off one of the worst seasons in history. You know, the Vikings had an okay season, but they didn't make the playoffs. Kirk Cousins, great year, great numbers, can't win games. Um, and obviously you got you got the Packers who have dominated that division and dominated the Bears. But you look at last season, I mean they're they're not doing anything in the playoffs. You know, like Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and beats them. Uh, so I think that the division's open right now, but the Bears are really taking this rebuild mentality and mindset. And I don't think polls would actually call it that, but the consensus out there, you know, I've talked to a lot of the sports writers. I've been on ESPN one thousand a couple of times, NBC Chicago, talking ball, talking bears. And um, the consensus is it's, it's sort of a rebuild season, but uh, hopefully we get surprised because there's not as much. People aren't really expecting much, and I think sometimes when that happens, you'll get surprised. But I'm hoping Fields. The season lies on Fields, much as it does Hurts. You know, these guys are, are similar. Obviously, Hurts is is much further along than Fields. You know, Fields had a tough season. Um, isn't 
isn't as refined yet as feel as Hertz is, but I think it's a big year for both of those guys. I think it's going to be a uh, pleasant surprise step up year two for field. I've been on his bandwagon since Ohio state days and I'm not getting off because of last year. Do like the kid and think he's going to be really good for you. And Oh, by the way, We'll have John McMullen scouring the parking lot. We'll have other scouts out there at Soldier Field. The Philadelphia Eagles will be visiting the Chicago Bears this year, so we're going to have to check out what Clay Harbor is wearing. Could it oh, be wow. another Eagles hat and Cowboy uh, uh, Bears <laughs> jersey or Bears hat and Eagles jersey? We'll have you scouted out. The game hasn't been scheduled yet, but we know the birds are going to Chicago this year. Clay, we're definitely getting you back on this show that week, this upcoming year. We thank you much for hopping on with us today. Appreciate you having me, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Clay. Our pleasure. Clay Harbor with the good backdrop. Not quite uh, what we've got going here with the ocean, but uh, the old uh, brick backdrop. Remember we had that for the first time? Yeah, we we started with the brick backdrop. With the old school stand-up comedy backdrop. Which yeah. uh, Clay Harbor had as well. Good dude, really, a really nice guy. Uh, appreciate him coming on with us. All right, we got to take a quick time out because the time is running nigh. We'll come back, put a bow on the show on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Night, John McClellan and Tony McDonald. Thank you, Clay Harbor and Ed Kratz as our two guests here today on a football Friday. Uh, Johnny Mac, we going to have any breaking news, changing issues by the time we get back here on Monday? It's still uh, two plus weeks away from the draft. We were surprised by that trade with the Saints. Not the fact that the Eagles did it. We're still trying to figure out why the Saints did it, but. Uh, the fact that it was a solid three weeks plus ahead of the draft, the calendar is something we have to keep an eye on day in and day out basis. Why do I fear not even good speculation breaking this weekend for us to talk about? No, you'll have some speculation. Even if it's just the top 30 visits, you'll have some speculation. Depends on news. I, I don't think uh, Honey Badger's making a decision. Uh, over the weekend, well, he's, but, he's still still got to get in the best shape of his life. Yeah, he's working yeah. on that. Well, he's still condition. got he's still he's still got people spinning the narrative. So yeah, that tells you he's going to wait uh, a little bit. Now who knows? The Rams might the Saints might say nope, no thanks. The Rams might say nope, thanks, and there might be no other options. And the Eagles say yeah, come on in, and then your dreams of Kyle Hamilton are dashed. If they, if you have any of those dreams, can have the dreams, but I think reality, cold harsh reality, is going to jump up and bite him. He's yeah. he's going to be off the board long before. There's always the there's always a an, an other side of these things because I think Tyron Mathat would be a good signing for the Eagles, but I'd rather have Kyle Hamilton. So as as would I, but I think Hamilton is a top five pick. Uh, somehow, yeah. if he falls down to eleven and Eagles don't go get him for fifteen, then we'll critique the Eagles on that. But uh, I just he, that's one that you and I absolutely agree on. Hamilton might be the best football player in the draft. Uh, and he's not going to go at the top him. of the yeah. draft. He's coming down somewhere from five to ten. But that five to ten is you know what we never talk about. Draft. We got to talk about next week, Jody. At some What's that? point. Because Clay just maybe, you know, Justin Fields, yeah. He didn't have a great rookie year. But the Eagles had an opportunity to draft Justin Fields. I, I don't think they thought they were going to have that opportunity. All of a sudden it was there. They didn't come off that. And everything they've done since that time, trying to get quarterbacks, um, indicates they still want a quarterback. So that, that one is going to be interesting to me for a while. I think people forget about it because he wasn't great in his rookie year. But if he turns it around... That's going to bubble up to the surface True. again. Oh, yeah. And you know I'll be the one to do it because I was that big a Justin Fields fan. If, if I had my druthers, he would have been the second pick in last year's draft to my J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 because I like them better than Wilson. But neither Wilson or Fields jumped up and said, yeah, I should have been the second pick of the draft with the results from last year. But we'll see what they both do in year number two. All right. Now, we will be back on Monday. Same bad time, same bad channel. J Mac, enjoy Lowe's, Bed Bath and Beyond, wherever, wherever the wherever. wife may take you this weekend. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. No, I'm being ordered to go, but uh, it'll be by myself. Yeah, trust I'm, me. I'm ordering up the Masters right now on the ESPN for yours truly. But we'll find plenty of football to talk about go Monday. Tiger. Go Tiger. Tiger. Of course, man. Yeah. Did they did they shove them down our throats yesterday? Wow, well, they have to. I mean, come on. 
I have to. It's a good story. I get it. But uh, and and more power to me. She had a nice round yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll get tougher as the tournament wears oh, yeah. on. But uh, good would for be him. fun if he's in it. He's probably not even going to make. Yeah, you know, he's probably. Not gonna he's going to. I think he's going to make the cut with the number he put up yesterday. He's going to be there for. I don't know if he's Saturday healthy Sunday, to go all four rounds. Yeah, I, don't, I, yeah. I think he'll be out early on Saturday and Sunday, but we shall yeah. see. Uh, early will be exactly when we'll be back. Early Monday morning here on Birds Three Sixty Five. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save.